0: Welcome to Hello Universe, a podcast about spirituality in our everyday lives. We're your co hosts, Kylie and Eva. Hey, everyone. (laughs) That's great. That's the intro. There we are. Hi. Yep. (laughs) I mean, that. That sort of sums up how we're feeling right now. <laughs> yeah, it's heavy out there, everybody. Sending yeah. you our love. Happy yeah. Wednesday. Um, this recording could not have come at a better time. Like, truly, the universe was like, here's a little gift and here's some divine yeah. timing stuff because uh, we we're really looking forward to our conversation with Marissa. There was a bunch of scheduling stuff happening back and forth that like causes to change to change things. And it landed on this date, which was perfect because um just with everything that's going on of the overturning of Roe v. Wade, she was the perfect guest to come on here and offer us some perspective and wisdom and hope.
1: Yeah. yeah. A thousand percent. Couldn't agree more. Um, This was a super nourishing conversation. So if you are feeling, anything you know or so overwhelmed you don't know what you feel about the state of the world in this moment um i think you'll find a lot in this conversation yeah fill up your cup
0: yeah to like really walk to be honest i'm gonna be really honest with you because like before kylie and i even recorded i was like i don't know what the fuck i have to say like i'm just like really all over the place right now and i i'm so grateful you know for instances where people are offering like hope and Mm um, clarity about how to move yeah. forward in, in these situations. Um, I think that's and the kind so of hope
1: and clarity that comes from like being in it right there is, there's like her medicine is not a superficial, you know, skip over how you feel kind of thing, but mm-hmm. also like really walking us through how to feel safe, how to feel the love of difficult emotions. Yeah. So yeah, uh, she's she's brilliant yeah before we get to the interview though uh should we do a round of clicky promos
0: yeah yeah you said you were You're, gonna drop in something really yeah.
1: quick. yeah so it's just one sentence come to magic circle <laughs> <laughs> the next one is july 10th and uh we never know it's funny so we just had one our june magic circle was last sunday and uh I was like all fired up and I was like, this is gonna, this, this, I, I came in with the intention of like, this is gonna be like a rallying cry kind of magic. Cause sometimes that's what happens like, and, um, and it was just so soft and so gentle mm. and, um, and uh, a reminder much like this conversation today, a reminder that like the nourishment comes from falling in and falling below the kind of Busyness, yeah. Um, so, anyway, I don't know what will that the magic will be on July 10th, but I'm sure it will be fucking great. And potent, uh, you can <laughs> come buy a ticket or sign up for the membership and come and be part of it. Cool, top, so. awesome. How about you, my love? What do you have cooking? Uh,
0: I have my meditation group for people who um, whose lives have been affected by a loved one's addiction or substance abuse. Um, so it's been really interesting hearing from some people who, um, have had similar experiences with me of, you know, growing up with someone who struggles with addiction or maybe currently in partnership with someone. And, um, I just feel such resonance <laughs> with these people and I'm putting together this meditation circle because I truly believe that meditation has been the medicine that has changed everything for me. Um, that has helped, uh, has really allowed me to heal in profound ways and change the parts of me that I've really struggled with the most as a result of feeling so anxious, so overwhelmed in a fear state, like feeling self-doubt, feeling gaslit by, you know, having a narcissistic mother, like all the things that um, I struggled with for years. And so it's just really become clear to me that, um, med- I don't know, med- meditation is an interesting thing because I think there's a lot of like a story around what meditation looks like or rules. But the truth is, is like meditation is everything that you and I talk about on this podcast, at least through my lens, meaning it's just about learning how to be still with yourself. This idea of like learning how to trust your intuition, being in your body, being with your emotions, um, trusting yourself, uh, you know, not being stressed out about time, not being a victim of your intellectual mind. All of that comes First and foremost, I believe from being able to cultivate s- some type of stillness and connection with the self, which then is the portal to a connection to something greater than the self. And so, um, med- I mean, as you guys all know, on this podcast, probably by now meditation is something that is a deep part of my life. And now I get to extend that into the really specific work of like combining that with my experience, um, of of knowing what it's like, uh, to have the trauma of like loving someone who struggles with addiction. So, um, this work feels really special to me. I'm really excited to like support this demographic, um, because I think this demographic, like I love this demographic because I, I, I get it. And I also think that sometimes, um, our own care falls to the wayside. So if you are someone who's interested in learning about meditation, because first and foremost, this is like, a it is a meditation course that can be used to help you in these areas of your life. Um, Yeah. Hit me up. You can find me on Instagram. You can send me an email um, and I'll be sending out more details about that. I think we're going to start, I don't know. I keep saying July and I kind of keep pushing it off. So sometime, sometime mid to to late July. Um, And I would love to hear from you. I love everything you're saying so much.
1: And I just want to give permission to the person who's listening, maybe who like had an ex that was an alcoholic and Mm -hmm. they don't date them anymore, or like had parents who had addiction, but you know, their parents are sober now, like uh, people for whom this might not be an active part of your life. I wanna give those people permission too, which is like kind of a theme that comes up in the show today anyway, is this mm-hmm. idea of permission. But as I was listening, that's just, I just feel like I can like feel the person listening who's like, oh, well, I don't know if that applies to me because I'm fine now or because it's mm-hmm. fine now, but like the yeah. situation is fine now. And yeah. there's probably a likelihood that you're just carrying some, like a particular kind of baggage or wounds that uh, I have no doubt Eva would hold you gracefully in unpacking, so. yeah. Um, I just want to give, I want to speak permission to anyone who needs yeah. permission.
0: I, I so appreciate you bringing that up. Cause I think that's a really good point. Cause I do think there are people out there who are like, yeah, but that's not my experience anymore. And I, that's not my experience anymore either. Like me and my, and I, and well, you know, we'll talk about this all throughout the course, but my, my relationship with my other, my mother has drastically changed. She's a completely different person now. Um, and and yet like the iron and yet I've been carrying around. It, it shaped me. It shapes who you it are. You. Yeah. And so it's not mm. about addressing like, Oh, this, the, the, uh, I don't know, the alcoholic in your life right now, it's about how do this stuff seep into your nervous system in a mm. way that you can continue to find liberation around. Mm. Um, and to be honest, it's, it's for a lot of people who've been to therapy before. Like if you, I think this course will be people who've like gone to therapy. They've done that. And then now they just kind of want to explore further in a different with a different modality, Mm. um, who are interested in the spiritual aspect of this. Um, I'm looking at you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks Kylie. So why don't we also, I just want to say, if you like this episode, we haven't said this in a while, please leave a couple stars, share it with a friend. Um, also, oh yeah, Kylie and I want to be on more podcasts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you know, a podcast. send us your recommendations
1: of who we should, whose shows we should pitch ourselves to.
0: <laughs> yeah. Let us know. Yeah. All right. So let me introduce to you, Marissa. Um, let's see. Marissa Le- Marit- Renee Lee is a called upon advocate, writer, and speaker on coping with grief. Um, her acclaimed debut, grief is love, unspools the story of her own grief journey and offers a compass to others navigating loss. I mean, Marissa has started numerous nonprofits. She was the former manager of My Brother's Keeper Alliance, um, and and that's just one of the many that she started. She's uh, also a regular writer for Glamour, Vogue, um, and uh, CNN and MSNBC. Um, so her her book called "Grief Is Love" is talks about the grief of a a, a loved one, but also we discuss grief that we might be feeling right now um, in so many ways as our government and our, at least in America, our um, systems, it just feels like one right after the other, is just being taken away from us, like very much, um, like uh, what's that? Oh yeah, like Handmaid's Tale. And so there's a lot of grief in that too. And Marissa is able to walk us through some of that in a really beautiful way.
1: Yeah. And uh, I highly recommend that everyone go buy the book, Grief is Love, and also
2: listen to this podcast episode.
1: Yeah. Um, (laughs) Marissa, we're so happy to have you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I can already tell it's going to be a really fun conversation.
1: Thank you. Thank you. So we often start um, our show by asking what is something that life is teaching you right now. Um, and right now the country is on fire and we're all really yeah. fucking overwhelmed. <laughs> and so uh, even though we're both really excited to have you of all people in this moment because of your beautiful work around grief. Um, and so I think my my question for you is an expanded version of like How is your medicine and your work informing how you move through this really kind of complicated moment?
2: I would say one of the big things that I keep coming back to that is one of the chapters in grief is love is the idea of grace. You know, like we are all carrying a lot right now. And then when you add to the fact that, you know, there are a lot of people who are dealing with significant losses in their personal lives in addition to being scared about war, about losing access to safe abortions, you know, about what the Supreme Court might decide to do next. Racism, school shootings, food shortages, gas prices, mm-hmm. it's like it is, it is everything right now. You know, I, I don't think there is a single aspect of American life in this moment that is separate from the grief of this time that we're living through. And so I think just remembering to extend grace to myself Mm -hmm. and others, because so many people really are just at capacity right now. Like that has been really important to me. And even, you know, just being okay, sometimes not feeling like myself and, and, you know, feeling like I'm not okay. You know, with the Supreme Court decision on Friday, I mean, I put myself to bed at nine o'clock. I felt Mm. like there was nothing I could do that was going to make me feel better. And if I kept just scrolling social media on my phone, my brain was going to explode. So I just went to bed. Mm. Um, And so I think I think making sure that you are extending grace to yourself so that you have the capacity to extend it to others and just doing whatever you have to do to take care of yourself right now, I think, is really important for mm. your mental health and, frankly, for the mental health of those around you. Yeah, I, it's bad.
1: I really yeah. love that you're centering grace for ourselves because I think uh, we, we want to take care of everybody else, whether it's our inner circle or, like, the world yeah. at large. And I think uh, you, can't, you can only run so far on an empty cup, you know? And, yeah. And I think... I also had a moment, it was last night, where I was like, I'm just fucking sad. So you know what, yeah. I'm gonna go to bed.
0: That yeah. <laughs> seems like the yeah. best solution. Yeah, yeah. When you said grace, my whole body, I could feel relaxed a little bit because oh, I I think what's, what's tricky about these times is that when we get really triggered or we're in a fierce state, and I'll speak for myself, like I had a stress dream last night and I woke oh, yeah. up just like in a really tense mode and so unconsciously, like, I like to think that I'm aware, but it can be so insidious, this unconscious need of like, okay, wait, what can I just do, do, do? I get yeah. into this, like, grasping mode. And grace was just like a huge opening where I was like, that's like almost like exactly what I needed to hear. Like I can oh, good. relax a little bit yeah. and send kindness, I think to myself and everything,
2: every, you know, everyone around me. Well, and the other reason why grace and, and just really intentional self-care is so important right now is because, unfortunately, we know there's more bad stuff coming. You know, like there will be another big race-related event that we'll all have to find a way to respond to. Unfortunately, there probably will be more mass shootings in the coming months because we still have an adequately addressed gun control in this country. We know that there are going to be primary and secondary negative consequences for women, for families, especially for those who are most vulnerable in this country as a result of the Supreme Court case. And so if we want to have the space to really fight back against these horrible things that are happening and, you know, if we want to have the energy to support ourselves and others, we have to rest. We have to take care of ourselves. We have to extend ourselves some grace because this is a marathon. You know, this isn't, this isn't something that we're going to be able to fix quickly. Yeah. And none of these things are right. And so I think, I think doing what you need to do to restore and fortify yourself Mm -hmm. is really important.
1: Can I ask you a question? Um, One of the things we really always try to do in this podcast, we will have like long rambling philosophical conversations, but we also always try to bring it back into something that feels like tangible. And so I was wondering if you could speak to some of the ways, I think when you're at capacity, grace can feel like hard to actually give yourself and to know what it even looks like or feels like. Um, I think if you've been like maybe spinning or spiraling for a little while, you can kind of forget what it feels like to feel good. Um, and so I guess I'm wondering if you could speak a little bit more to like how to give yourself grace, if that question makes sense.
2: Yeah, it totally makes sense. So a specific example on my end, you know, every morning I built a very intentional to-do list. Mm. And when sad things happen in the world or hard things happen in my personal life, There's just no way I'm going to get through all of the things that I feel responsible for, you know, whether they're personal things or professional things. And so for me, giving myself grace means not giving in to feelings of defeat and disappointment. When I look at that list at the end of the day, and instead of 10 things being crossed off, two things are crossed off. And instead, you know, reminding myself that I'm a human being, things have been hard and that's okay. You know, tomorrow's a new day. It's not, it's not the end of the world. Um, I think it also looks like being honest about what might help you start to feel better. You know, we are not, none, none of the three of us are going to be able to reverse the decision that the Supreme Court made on Friday. Like that's not, we we can't do that. Mm-hmm. So like, what can we do that will let us be as okay as possible in these hard moments? So that, you know, like I said, so we have the capacity for what these fights are going to require over the long term. So whether it's going to bed early or you know, maybe going for a run or going to therapy or going to church, you know, whatever it is for you, I think giving yourself permission to access it makes living with loss of any kind easier.
0: I think that's like helpful for people. So I have just like chronic guilt. I think it very much like Asian upbringing over here. And I think, uh, I think so much of my, my, my work is also allowing that and then not letting the guilt override everything. Cause I think yesterday, yeah. example, like my, my, my church was like going to the park yesterday and just like being in the grass. And I really had to like do work around allowing myself to enjoy yeah. that instead of getting into the stories of like somehow, um, yeah. I, there was this, this internal struggle there. Cause I think guilt can be a major issue for why we can't be graceful with ourselves. Cause we feel like we need to be out there doing something right now, but I completely agree. This is a long game. This yeah. A long game. So we got to be planning for the long game here. Yeah.
1: The other thing I'm thinking of in response to what you're saying, Eva is how like our guilt, it's like when there's suffering in the, when there's so much suffering, our guilt feels like a like an offering right it's like oh i will I'll, I'll i will i will also feel bad that will be my way of witnessing that helps your helps no pain. one
2: and, yeah. like truly you know and it's and if you if you really want to engage in these fights and do substantial things to help support people you know whether it's people who are grieving or dealing with any of the other issues we've discussed like you have to fill yourself up first. Otherwise it just doesn't, it just doesn't work. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, I actually do want to ask you more about your week around your work around grief specifically and kind of like how you got to it. And I mean, you have this book that came out. So congratulations. That's like, Thank huge. You. I mean, I'm sure you've been doing a lot of talking about it. So I just kind of want to give you the mic and say whatever you'd like
2: to say about it. Well, thanks. <laughs> uh-huh. You know, I wrote Grief is Love because I wanted to both redefine grief as not a moment in time, but as an experience. And in the book, we define grief as the repeated experience of learning to live in the midst of a significant loss. You know, it is this constant series of recalibrations and adjustments that you make throughout your life. To accommodate for your loss. So, like, you know, my mom's been dead for 14 years. I have to accommodate for her absence, you know, when I get married, when I became her mom, when I'm just feeling sick like I am today, you know, in these moments where I either already know I'm going to miss her or where it comes up that, you know, she's not here anymore. Like, I need to be prepared to make plans to. Do what I need to do to be okay. You know, just like we're talking about doing that right now, you know, with my wedding, it was thinking about planning differently mm-hmm. and thinking about incorporating her in different ways, you know, throughout the ceremony and throughout the reception. With my son, it's about being intentional around introducing his grandmother to him who he will never meet in real life. Um, you know, I, I do the same thing with my husband who I've been with for over a decade now, you know, making sure that he feels some connection to this woman that he's never met. And so I think I think viewing grief as something that just occurs right around the time somebody dies, I think is wrong because you're never going to forget about the fact that you shared this loving relationship with another human being. And so what you need to do is figure out what it looks like for you to carry that relationship forward in a healthy way. And so everything in grief is love is supported by the leading research around grief and loss, and specifically this theory known as the continuing bonds theory, which essentially states that the healthiest way to live with loss is to figure out how to continue your bond with the deceased. Like that relationship has left a permanent imprint on your brain. That's not going to go away. So you just have to figure out what to do with it. So
0: my question about this then is, can you maybe share a couple of examples of what you mean by creating this continuous bond with people who have passed and what that has looked like for you?
2: Yeah. So for me, it's, it's twofold. One, it's being honest in the moments when I feel the most sad and miss my mom the most and acknowledging them and being open about them. And then Going a step further and asking myself, like, okay, you know, obviously she's not here and she hasn't been here in a very long time. What are you really craving? Like, what can you maybe do to help support yourself in this moment since she's not here to support you? Mm -hmm. So, if it's, you know, I need someone to really provide an encouraging word because she was my biggest cheerleader, you know, I have a girlfriend that I'll text. If it's, I'm actually just feeling exhausted and I want my mom to come take care of me because I'm tired of taking care of you know myself and a kid and like my spouse, you know, like, okay, what do I, do I need to take a nap? Like, do I need to go get a massage? Like what, what might make me feel supported in this moment? Um, and then on the other end, it's about finding ways to incorporate, you know, that lost loved one, the relationship you had with them, Or their values into your life currently. So, like for me, my mom's legacy is deeply tied to my values and how I show up in the world. You know, when I am my most generous, most patient, kindest self, like that's when I know I'm doing right by her. The other piece is, you know, thinking about what are the different things that I can do that make me feel connected to this person. You know, we both share a massive sweet tooth. So around her birthday, I'm either making brownies or chocolate chip cookies or a homemade um, yellow cake with chocolate frosting and sprinkles. You know, like that is what's happening. When we wanted to kick off Pub Week for Grief is Love as a family, you know, we gave our son pancakes for the first time. Like my mom always made pancakes Sundays before church. You know, finding the things that, make you feel connected to them and make you feel good, even when you're also feeling a little bit sad. Yeah. Making
0: it a ritual, being sound, yeah. being really intentional about that. Yeah. yeah.
1: Were you going to say something Eva?
0: I mean, I still have a lot of questions, but you go ahead.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I just really, I just really loved the everything you're saying, the first thing that you said about being like, just getting really honest about what you actually need in the moments of your grief, that really resonated with me. Um, my, my mentor died in November. Um, and sorry. Oh yeah. I mean, it sucks. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, uh, actually on this podcast, not knowing what your book, I use the phrase talking about how my experience of grief was love. And so, uh, Perfect. so I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> I wholeheartedly <laughs> love what you're saying, but um, yeah, I'm just, I just think there's something really, and it's interesting, like it comes in waves, right, the, the missing. And yeah. I think that I really love this question of like getting really honest about what you need because like sometimes what I want is, the way that he would guide me right and sometimes yeah. what I want is like oh I'm getting teared up again uh is the way that he would believe in me right and, yeah. and 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 you know those are just two small things um but I think there is something really beautiful in witnessing like what the actual need is yeah even if you aren't right even if my yes. response is like you know what yeah I want to know what Will would say and I fucking yeah. don't and that
2: sucks yeah. yeah um and sometimes that's all it is like it's you know, there's, there may be nothing else for you to do about it other than acknowledge it.
1: Yeah. But it it, it makes it feel, it makes him feel closer when I can acknowledge like the specific thing that I miss rather than it's like somehow brings him closer and makes, it makes the grief feel both like more real and less overwhelming all at the same time.
2: Yeah. Because you're getting at the heart of your relationship with him. Um, and being honest about the fact that like, this is something that you specifically miss because he was so good at providing it, you know, and like it stings, but once you've identified it, I do think, and this comes up a lot in the book and has come up in, you know, all of my time in and out of therapy the last like 20 years. Um, when we are able to name our feelings and like really identify what's going on, That's when we reduce their power over us. And I think with grief and other challenging emotions, people are often afraid that acknowledging the emotion or, you know, like the need is going to overwhelm them when really what it does is the opposite. And so I'm all about encouraging people to speak to those feelings and to, you know, call out whatever those needs are, because that's actually when we start to feel better.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, which is completely what drew us to to you and your work. And honestly, your book title just so <laughs> genius. Because so Kylie <clears throat> and I talk about like grief is love all the time because I think um uh grief is a tricky fucking thing. I think grief is yeah. up there with like when misunderstood can one of be the most uncomfortable, scary feelings ever. And I think yeah. That's, that's why it's always pushed away. Like we don't, it can feel, Nobody so, wants to feel no, that. we don't want to feel it. We don't want to nope. feel it. Grief nope, is nope, nope. scary as fuck. Yeah. But so I'm really curious if you could talk more about for you, why grief is love, because I think that's where this medicine is. I know that when I've sat with it, it, my grief underneath it, there's always something else. And I think that's yeah. what I want to like get to for people is that, you know, if you are feeling grief and this grief applies to everything, like we can talk about, death of a of a loved one but even now grief of yes. like
2: the loss of yeah. like society of liberties ruined. yeah yeah i <laughs> just great. i can't even so <laughs> fundamentally i i realized in the summer of 2020 when i was grieving life as a black person in america uh the pandemic and just like how shitty that was for everybody even if you didn't lose a loved one Um, And still grieving a pregnancy loss that happened late in 2019 after, you know, three years and tons of fertility treatments and all of the things. And so I realized like at its core, you feel so much pain because these are all things that like you love. Like fundamentally, I am an American. Yeah, of America. And what America could look like if we actually committed ourselves fully to the ideals that, you know, we say we are committed to. Mm-hmm. And I feel pain when I see us do the opposite, you know, whether it's about race or gender or class or whatever. It it makes me crazy. Um and, you know, I I recognize that I was so sad about our pregnancy loss, not because of you know, how far along we were or anything like that, you know, because it's, it's different when you lose a pregnancy versus, you know, losing a parent, but it was about all of this love and hope that we poured into the process and that we had for a future child that still wasn't going to materialize at that time, you know? Um, and so I think, I think understanding that underneath the pain, like the kind of the logic behind the pain is that love, Um, that you are no longer able to access in the way that you want to. And so, you know, I think of love as both feeling and action, and I can still feel my mom's love. You know, she's been gone for a long time, but like, I know she's in there. I know she's very much part of my life, but I grieve because she's not here to act on that love. Mm -hmm. And so all of the things that I became accustomed to over 25 years of being her child and, you know, her being one of my best friends, like all of those things are gone now. Mm -hmm. And so I have to figure out how to love and care for myself in a way that serves to the greatest extent possible to be a replacement for those things that I don't have anymore. And so I think when we understand like grief is love and also love being the antidote to grief, it makes it so much easier to process. It's still hard. It's still big. It's still painful, but you at least have some understanding around it now.
0: Yeah. I mean, honestly, what you said about love being the antidote to grief, I think is like bullseye right there, because I think (laughs) like we are, you know, you know, people people talk about the only way out is through, but what I want to bring, offer is that there's light at the end of the tunnel that actually when you go into your grief and then you get to, you get to experience that, that love. Cause if you don't go into it, honestly, then you, you actually cut yourself off from that love and then you don't get the antidote. And it's this tricky kind of f- fucked up ironic thing, yeah. but there is like a gift at the end of that, which can be so heart
2: opening and liberating. A hundred percent. And again, I don't, I'm very, um, I'm very wary of people who push people who are in pain to find meaning in it. You know, like grief is still a deeply painful and at times debilitating experience. And I don't want to take any of that away from people. Like, I mean, I've been like, it was awful, awful, awful. But I think when we are open about it and honest about it, That is how we learn what it looks like to live with it and like to still live a full and joyful, happy life, even after these horrible things happen. And for me, so much of writing this book wasn't about the grief piece, but about healing. You know, Mm -hmm. what, what does it look like to heal from your losses and integrate them into your life in a way that's healthy? Like, that's what I really wanted to provide people because I know that it's possible. Like, I'm here and I have a life that I love. And, you know, do I wish that my mom was still a part of it the way that she was when she was alive? Of course I do. But when you let yourself grieve and you give yourself permission to access the things you need to heal and you extend grace to yourself and others and you commit to, holding on to the love that you experienced with your person, like you can live a great life. I think.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. I'm so grateful for this conversation. It feels so deeply nourishing when you were speaking Good. about, um, to just go back a few moments when you were speaking about, like, you love the idea of America. I totally was crying. So <laughs> no, I don't great mean work. to
2: make anyone cry, but you no, know that's what great. I mean? Like, I think about the America that I was taught in history as a kid. And I'm like, yes, like this is all so wonderful and fantastic. And then I look at where we are and I'm just like, oh my God, this is awful.
1: Yeah. I, I also, I'm thinking so much about the word that keeps echoing in my mind is permission Yeah. because I think one of the things, so again, just my own recent grief journey around my mentor, I find that sometimes I um cut myself off from my grief because I think like other people loved him more like who are you to still
2: be grieving don't gaslight your grief
1: yeah and then like thankfully like I just witness it but I want to speak to it because I think I think that's really sneaky and and I and I think it's probably also something we're experiencing now in this collective moment whether our grief like whatever whatever facet of, of our country being on fire you might be grieving like uh whether it's like the push to go do something and be a fixer or whether it's just the like idea that, I don't know that we, we should, for some reason we should feel other, I think is just like a really common thing. And so I wonder if you could speak to this idea of not gaslighting your grief and like a, giving yeah. yourself really permission to fall into it.
2: So permission is the first chapter in grief is love. It's also the longest chapter in grief is love. And there's a reason for it. We are all much better at giving other people permission to like do or feel things or to be a certain way than we are at giving that same gift to ourselves. And I think it is, I think it is crucially important for all of us to give ourselves permission to just feel however we feel in these moments. You know, just going back to the Supreme Court piece um, and Roe versus Wade being overturned you know I'm a woman who can't get pregnant to save her life you know like so I have never had an abortion I don't think I ever will try to or or need one just because of the way my life has turned out and the way my reproductive uh health is but that doesn't mean that I don't feel pain like as a woman especially as a black woman you know, knowing what the consequences of unwanted pregnancies can be for poor women of color. Like I am enraged and I was not okay on Friday. And again, I have not come close to being in that position myself and I don't think that I ever will, but it's still really hurt because for me, fundamentally, it's about people who look like me and technically me, if I ever did, uh, need an abortion like not being valued the the way that i think we should be and that just that hurts and it's it's really hard to deal with no matter what um and so i want people to not judge themselves and also not judge other people for their grief responses because at the end of the day like your mentor was one of your people Mm -hmm. he was important to you he was transformational and like had a meaningful impact on your life. You may not grieve him the same way as, you know, his spouse or a child, et cetera, but that doesn't make your grief any less valid just because you weren't his spouse or aren't his child. Um, And I think it's really important in general to remove judgment from conversations around grief because it doesn't serve anyone. So whether you're judging yourself or judging someone else for their grief response, just stop. Like it's it's just not helpful. I can go on about judgment for days, um, but I won't. <laughs> it's just it just it doesn't serve anyone. You know, I spent so much time after my mom passed away judging myself. You know, like at the end of the day, it's just a parent. We're all going to lose our parents. This is the natural order of things. You know, you're 25. You're an adult. Like, get over it, basically. And none of that helps me. Like it it just, it doesn't, it doesn't help. And I think, I think when people are in pain and when people are grieving, we should all be trying to do whatever we can to help them, to help ourselves and judgments. They just don't need to factor into the equation at all. I don't think. So yeah, I get really fired up about that one. I mean,
0: I just think this is so relevant, though. So I feel like this is this conversation is interesting to me because grief can really be applied to so many things right now. I mean, we're talking about specific people that we know, and then also I keep like switching, and then we're also talking about the context of the time. And I'm, again, you're actually helping me realize like how it's sneaky, how sneaky it is, but the judgment that I've been placing on myself, and I feel actually quite. Um, motivated is a strange word, but I realize that I haven't been letting my grief sink in fully. I have been yeah. trying to keep it at bay a little bit, and I feel reminded of the fact that like it's okay, it's a o- it's okay to let it all in. And I actually think I'm gonna find a lot of relief after this conversation when I just give myself a moment to be, like I am just like in a I'm just fe- yeah. feeling it all right now, and um. Yeah, and, and I, I can't do that unless
2: I remove the judgment. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, the thing is, and there's an entire chapter on feelings in Grief Is Love because I have spent a lot of time trying to avoid more challenging and complex emotions connected to, you know, the loss of my mom, the loss of our pregnancy, the loss of my fertility, you know, all the things. And the thing about feelings, like the only guarantee whether you judge them as positive or negative, is that they are temporary, but if you ignore them, that doesn't make them go away faster. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That actually makes them stick around longer. And so the sooner we can all just get more comfortable being honest about like the fullness of the human experience, which includes emotions like sadness and grief and anger and disappointment, the better off we will all be. So I'm all about encouraging people to just... Be honest about whatever it is they're feeling, because that's the only way that you move through it. Yeah.
0: I mean, here's the ironic thing is like Kylie and I both talk about this ad nauseum. Like we, we both teach on this yeah. to some degree and yet I think it can still be difficult. It's I guess hard. And- Nobody
2: wants to sit with feelings that aren't positive. You know, like we're fine hanging out with joy all yeah. day long. Or like happiness right. or excitement. Like yeah. we're good when those feelings show yeah. up. Um, but when the other stuff comes up, like you just don't want to deal with it because I it, mean, doesn't, it yeah. doesn't feel as good. But that's just life.
0: And I, I think really, for, I mean, to take it even deeper, it's, it's like I think no one wants to be with feelings that don't feel safe
2: for me. Mm-hmm. I think oh, that like- is really important, too
0: that's like a big piece of it is that it feels like your nervous system or, you know, for so many different reasons, it could be trauma. Yeah. It can be all of these things. And I think it's really actually important, which is like why the kindness, the love, the the grace is all of that is actually the, the like the self-care, the, the sleep, all of that is actually so important because otherwise um, it can feel more high stakes than just feeling bad feelings. Like there's a lot of yeah. stuff that that's true. picked
2: up for people, you know? That is true. And I write about safety and grief love as <laughs> as well, because... You know, one of the things I realized when we lost our pregnancy and we were very public and open about it, um, I got a lot of compliments for being vulnerable from people. You know, a lot of people were just, oh, I'm so proud of you. Like, you're so vulnerable, you know, blah, blah, blah. And every time someone said that to me, I just felt kind of like icky. And I couldn't figure out why until I sat down work on this book. And I realized, you know, we have these ideas around vulnerability, especially in the context of like social media, for instance. And it typically centers people who look good being vulnerable. And I wanted to unpack it a little bit and think about like what that means. You know, like what does, what does vulnerability look like if you are someone who has already been made vulnerable by society? You know, like if you are the poor black, single mom, you know, in your teens, who people are already judging because of where you sit in the world, what does emotional vulnerability look like? And I realized that if you have already been made vulnerable because you're, you know, too black, uh, too gay, too poor, whatever it is, real emotional vulnerability is hard or in some cases, potentially non existent because you're not safe. Like it is a lot easier to be sad, to be depressed, to process your grief if you have the financial resources and societal safety to do so. And I realized that's why I felt so icky when people were complimenting me because, you know, by the time we had our pregnancy loss, I had started multiple successful nonprofits and businesses. You know, I'm married. Financially, we are in good shape. We own our home. Like, you know, I was in a place in the world where because I had accomplished so much and was at a certain point in my career, like I could tell the truth about how I was feeling because I didn't have to care what other people thought. Mm-hmm. But when you're in a place where you're you're not really making it in the world or you're you're just starting out or you're struggling for other reasons, like you do have to either care what people think or you are fighting for your safety and therefore there isn't room for things like grief. Like in those instances, grieving fully and healing become like luxury. You know, like I think about about the women who were scheduled for abortions in clinics on Friday or, or this week and who are now in a place where overnight they have been forced to carry an unwanted pregnancy to term. And I think about, you know, I think about parents of LGBTQ kids in Florida and in Texas where, you know, rights and protections are being rolled back. I think about this image that came out of Ukraine a couple months ago where mothers were writing you know, their kids' blood type and contact information in permanent marker on their backs as they flee a war zone. Like those people don't get to grieve because they're not safe. And so I think when we have these conversations about, to your point, Eva, like dealing with difficult emotions and dealing with grief, like we have to consider things like privilege and safety and how they play into what people can and can't do.
1: Can you speak to how... I don't know. I'm surprised that I'm crying so much in the grief episode. Sorry.
2: <laughs> this is like I my have that stick, effect so. on people. I'm sorry. It's, no, I'm sorry. it's, it's, uh, yeah. I this like also crying cherish, podcast. So. Yeah, I cherish <laughs> crying.
1: It feels like, okay. like, it feels like an act of love, but okay, I'm, I'm curious if you could speak to the nuance of holding this really profound awareness of, of like grieving and being vulnerable and being messy is not universally safe. Um, and, and what we were saying earlier about not gaslighting ourselves, right. Cause I can yeah. see this really easy way of like, Oh, see other people are suffering. Therefore I need to get over it. And then that serves no one. And also, yeah, like I have a lot of privilege in my grief, I a tremendous yeah. amount of privilege in my grief to be messy. And, 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 um, and yeah, I guess I don't have a fully formed thought, but there feels like a There feels like an an important balance here that I'm curious if you could speak to.
2: So when when we did our New York City book launch for Grief is Love, I was in conversation with Brooke Shields and she said the chapter, and she's lost both of her parents um, at this point, I think lost her father fairly young, if I'm remembering correctly. And she said the chapter on like safety and vulnerability, you know, as a white woman of a significant amount of privilege, you know it made her really uncomfortable and she she also like wasn't sure what to do with that and i said you know for me as a black woman who also has done a lot of work in the racial equity space i don't think i don't think the point of pointing out and acknowledging privilege should be about making people feel bad i think it should be about bringing more awareness and sort of intention around how you move in the world and also give people an opportunity to think about how to use their privilege to help those who may not have the same thing. And so, you know, in her case, I was like, you you being here interviewing a first-time, like, Black writer about her grief book, I was like, this is you using your privilege for good. That doesn't, it doesn't mean, though, that you know, your grief should be minimized because you have the privilege to heal in the best, healthiest possible way because of your privilege and the resources you have at your disposal. Mm -hmm. It means just bringing the awareness of your privilege to spaces and places where you can help extend it and share it with others. You know, so for me, having people call me vulnerable because of all of the sharing after the pregnancy loss, like that is not for me, but the sharing became even more important when I saw my privilege even you know as a black woman in those spaces and in those conversations so like that for me is one of the ways that I share some of my privilege with others um, and that's what I think it's really about not making yourself feel bad because you have certain privileges that other people don't
0: yeah That makes a lot of sense. First of all, thank you for that question, Kylie.
2: I, so my big things are getting into the privilege piece, redefining grief. We did both of those and given the timeliness, you know, talking about the Supreme Court piece. So I am good. And if you guys, depending on what like your question lists look like, you know, if we go to like one thirty-five or whatever, mm-hmm. since I show up late, like that's totally fine.
0: Okay. Okay. Great. Yeah. We um we do end every episode with like something that's bringing you joy right now because we want okay. to, to highlight that. So, um, we will kind of do a round where we'll all answer that. Perfect. Perfect. At the end. Yeah. But yeah, I just want to give you that because I know that if you've been on tour for your book, you've probably been talking about the same things for quite some you time. So, so <laughs> one, if you, yeah, yeah, want to be mindful of that. Okay. So. I think what I'm hearing you say, Marissa, which I think is so helpful is that it's not about like putting a noose then on your own experience of no. grief. It's, it's about actually being able to extend what you have to other people, which I think is yes. such a helpful reframing because, um, as you know, colonialism just loves to make us feel guilty about yeah. everything. And, that yeah. never and I just,
2: <laughs> I, that's the thing, like, cause when you, when you stop to think about it, it's like, okay, you know, there are obviously lots of conversations about, um, Um, white privilege particularly over the last two years and it's like if, if the goal is just to make people feel bad how does that help solve any of our problems and so for me it really is about finding ways to extend your privilege out to others
0: yeah yeah and I and I will say like that I just feel like all of the stuff is tying together in just an interesting way for me. I, I, I too was really moved by what you said about loving America, which I have to say, um, I just feel like it's not a sentiment that I've heard in a long time though, because really like I know. You know, the general consensus is like, you know, this is handmaid's tale, like 1984 yeah. shit's going to, you know, like country's on fire, blah, 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 blah. And it was such a, beautiful reminder of like, wait a second, man the reason I'm so fucking upset is because I know what America can be and like exactly my dream that it can be, which is that these things can be extended for all people. um I don't know, but uh, it's just a, a, a mix of emotions of also just kind of bringing it back to this time of now. it, it does actually sort of reignite and change my perspective possibly on like how, proceeding forward is that like, the danger is the giving up the danger is like exactly that well fuck it like exactly or let's get the hell out of here which by the way like yeah. my, my, my partner and i've had, had had that conversation because i have the privilege of having family in asia in taiwan yeah. where i can be like um and that can be i think equally dangerous so i don't know where i'm going with this but just a reminder of like i i want to continue f- to fight because i fucking love yeah there's something here that I love and that's exactly why I feel so upset at the same time.
2: Exactly, exactly. Like all of our identities are tied to being Americans, right? Mm. And like right now, and for a while, like it has felt somewhat embarrassing and like a little bit shameful to be an American because of the different things that have happened. And I think it's just really important to remember that first of all, so many other people have actually been through worse things in the history of this country. And I think about Black people who showed up here just over 400 years ago and like what they have gone through and like those experiences and my own ancestors. And part of me is like, okay, well, if they could find a way not just to make it work, but to push for forward progress, then like we will find a way. Mm. But we can only do that work if we if we're honest about it, you know, if we're honest about the grief, if we're honest about the love and if we are intentional about caring for ourselves so that we have like the energy to do that work, because it's 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 hard. Um, and in some days it does feel easier to just say, like, fuck this, like we're moving to France or I don't know where um, I don't mm-hmm. speak French. I don't know why I said France, but <laughs> it's, like, it's uh, like you said France. <laughs> right. And the baked goods, I guess. Uh, so, yeah, it's it it's really hard. Um, but at the end of the day, like I'm still an American and I want something better for my kid than what exists right now. So for now I'm committed to continuing to find ways to fight back. You know, uh, you it's okay. It's okay. Give
0: it a second. Let's see if it comes back. Well, I, I just, I want to interject really quickly with this belief of like, just again, thank you, Marissa, for these nuggets of, um, I think hope, but this idea of like, yeah, if our ancestors found a way in like way worse conditions, we can find a way that is like, yeah, that is such helpful perspective. And I think it's so easy to think, you know, to get, um, bogged down in this idea of like, it's really bad right now.
2: Yeah. And um, it is really bad right now. Like Like, we're all on the same page.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, It is really bad, but but I do believe in tying it all together with continuous grace and self care and spaciousness and community. Um, it's not, it's totally possible. Cause I I think the scariest part for me is when I start to think it's hopeless and that that's like, yeah, that's the, I think the most dangerous thing. So I'm always grateful to remind people who, um, can provide me with perspective and hope.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And the thing about hope um, that I wrote about, I wrote about this for Vogue when Biden was being inaugurated. You know, people tend to think about hope as this like pie in the sky, just all about like optimism and positivity type thing. But I actually think hope is probably most closely tied to discipline. Mm. Um, You know, choosing hope at a time like this is an act of discipline um and it's not an easy one but i think when we when we choose to be hopeful about something better during the worst of times and then do the work to actually create something better i think that's when we get closer to building the country that we all think america should be
0: (sighs) yeah Um, did it come back to you kylie or should we just keep going it did, and also uh, that was the most
1: perfect concluding spot. Uh, we should, okay. We should. Live. <laughs> okay. But we, we do end the show with a round of joy, where we all go around and name something that's bringing us joy right now. And so, uh, yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to ask you something. to Bring you joy right now.
2: Um, my son. He's um, adorable and hilarious. Um and we just feel so fortunate to finally have a child after so many years of struggle and he's gotten more verbal he started saying mama a couple of days ago oh, so yeah i'm going to i'm going to put my joy on bennett today
0: Love it. Yeah. He had a guest appearance in the background. (laughs) (laughs) Oh
2: my goodness.
0: Um, I'll share mine because it's related. I also had the joy of hanging out with my nephews for the past week. They came to visit from LA and being an aunt is the best because you can just spoil the shit out of them. um, And And they send them home. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. 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 And they
0: just, they like, I think there's just something so there's nothing. And both of you will know this, you know, really well, but there's nothing more special and divine than the unfiltered love of a child.
2: Oh my God. It's so great.
0: It's the best.
2: It's so great.
0: And it makes, I I don't know. Anyway, I just, that feeling like they just don't hold. Back. Uh, it is medicine. So, was so good. Yeah. Um, what about you, Kylie? Um,
1: so, this morning I was feeling, it's just like kind of funky. Uh, and I ended up putting on this like ridiculous playlist that I have. And I just started dancing. And it was the kind of dancing where Like it was like just to move right, and I was crying, and I and they're like really like fun silly songs, and I was crying, and I was angry, and I was happy all the exact same time, and it felt and I felt alive, you know, I felt in my body, I felt alive, I felt permission to have all the feelings in a way that I'd been trying to like think how to feel all the feelings, but I was like that moment of dancing to these silly songs was was the act of permission. and it was great fucking medicine and I'm really grateful for it.
0: Yeah.
2: Awesome. I love that Yeah, too. Yeah.
0: yeah. <sighs> All right, Marissa, this was honestly exactly, I think what we needed. I think this is going to be a lot of people needed. So thank you for joining us, even though I know you weren't feeling 100, but you are spreading, okay. spreading the gospel. So um, where can people find you? What is there anything you'd like to share with our audience?
2: Yeah. uh, First of all, please buy Grief is Love. Um, We are actually now in a third printing. And the book is a national bestseller, but it is still very much my job to get people to buy it. Um, You can find me at MarissaRenaley.com. And I am Marissa MarissaRenaley on all social channels. So I hope you will follow along as we continue to do the work of normalizing grief in the world.
1: Thank you.